Muslim liquor. You make the same joke every single episode, and it, it gets so it's so boring. Well, it's a good thing I'm hearing it for the first time. Then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum and this is episode 28 food photography and traveling the world with Sakaina Rajab Ali that cross between religion and culture that that faint line that people use religion but it's actually not and they mix it with culture to stop you from doing the things you love it really angers me and I don't want that for my own children Sakaina Rajab Ali is a Dubai-based food photographer entrepreneur and world traveler her photography has been featured in a long list of best-selling books and popular magazines. Sakaina is also an avid traveller, travelling the world and sharing her travels on Instagram, where she aims to inspire modest hijabi travellers to explore the world through incredible images and honest and inspiring write-ups. We'll be chatting to her about her love for travel, her passion for food photography, the downsides of social media and empowering Muslim women. Welcome to 786 Boulevard. Sakaina, assalamu alaikum. How are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this podcast. How's everything going? Alaikum salam. It's really good. Nice and early here. I'm excited to be on and be put on the spot. Nice and early for you. Yeah, but before we started, I think, you know, this is probably the, the biggest time difference we've had between uh, any of us uh, generally in the podcast. So generally, I'm actually, right now I'm in America, but I'm, I'm usually based in London. So there's generally like a time difference between me and, and, and uh, Hasnina Ali. But you are eight hours ahead of us, so this is quite a quite a drastic uh, time difference. But regardless yeah, of that, you know, keeping people awake at night. So <laughs> <laughs> no, alhamdulillah, no, no. I appreciate you taking from your time uh, and, and from your Saturday. It's Friday for you, obviously Dubai. That's basically the weekend, so you know we appreciate uh, your time and coming. Yeah. In. Inshallah, hopefully we'll have a great uh, conversation. So just the icebreaker, I guess, for everyone, because all of us here have something in common that we're very well travelled. Uh, Ali right now has uh, relocated to Colombia because he, he loves traveling so much uh, full time. So uh, he is a, he's a full traveler. I've been, I've, been, I've been here, I've been in America since the beginning of February. I've been bouncing around the States left, right and center. Uh, and so I've been, oh, I love traveling too. But I guess first question I'll ask you first to Kanan, I'll, I'll throw it to Ali and Hasnain. What are your top three favorite travel locations and why? I don't know. I feel so odd talking about travel because I was just speaking to my dad yesterday this is the longest stretch, stretch that I actually haven't traveled at all. Wow, my parents okay. have actually been traveling more than I have for medical reasons and whatever. But I have been put for exact, stayed put for exactly a year now. Um, and I only got away once in December to see my family. So yeah, it feels odd to be talking about travel in general at such a time. But yeah, coming back to your question, my top three travel locations. Okay, so the first one I'm going to pick is Kenya. Okay. So I grew up in Tanzania and I left when I was 18 and I actually did my first ever safari about four years ago. Wow. So that's really odd for me considering I grew up in the wild, as they say, but I've never done a safari. And when I went four years ago, I just, you know, and my children were with me and they're like, mom, you grew up in East Africa and you never did this before on your doorstep. So that was one of my um, top three. We went to a place called the Giraffe Manor. We loved it. Um, it's a great place for whatever age. So my kids are um, eight and uh, 11. They loved it. We're in our 30s. We loved it. We couldn't like get enough. And we saw people there who were in their 60s and 70s who were retired. 
and they loved it. It's just, uh, it's like being in Alice in Wonderland. It was magical. I have um, a, I have a lot of friends. Sorry, just to interrupt. I have a lot of friends that that uh, that are from that area, and and, and Kenya is is a quite short flight away from Tanzania, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and just generally, they all rave on about the safari and how life changing and amazing it is. Yeah, it just it just feels so natural to be in the wild and to be so up and close and personal with these animals and it was it was just something completely different you know you have your beach holidays you have your city holidays but there's just something magical about a safari about waking up at five in the morning and going out and you know scouting for these animals um and the giraffe manor in particular whilst it's not actually a safari it was very magical especially for kids so we love that definitely in my top three um Another one would probably, I know this is cliche, but it, it's got to be the Maldives. I mean, no matter how many times I go there and every single time I go out, I'll sit to my husband, this is the last time we won't come back here. And as soon as we come back, I'm like, when are we going again? It's just I, <laughs> like a little slice of heaven. And I just always go there and I think if this is so beautiful and my eyes are hurting from the beauty, imagine what heaven would be like, because honestly, it's just, it really is magical. Um, so yeah, I love going back to the Maldives time and time again. You see, so sorry, sorry to jump in again, but the Maldives, I'm sure Ali and Hasnain have got on the list as well. Maldives have been on my list for a long time. Um, I actually had a, a chance to go um, and I, I kind of sat back and thought, well, is it really going to be worth this? I don't know. Do you, do you think it's... Why would you even think that? You know what Why it is? That your mind? I, I made the mistake of going to reviews of resorts and they were all like 3.9 star, 4 star. And I was like, well, if I'm going to pay that much. And they were like, they were complaining about these little tiny little things. And I was like, hmm, if I'm going to pay that much, then these little things will kind of bug me off. So I just kind of like lost interest. But I, I, I don't I'd know. I'd go and stay in a guest house there if I were okay. you. Okay. It really is. I mean, you land. The amazing thing is, right, they're all just little islands. So when you're landing on the on the airstrip, you're actually surrounded by water straight away. So the beauty starts like even before you've landed. Um, but the great thing about the Maldives is that it's a holiday that you, you make what you want it to be. You know, you could just right. relax, do nothing, just read a book, can, or you could make it really active. You can go snorkeling, you can, you know, go jet skiing, you can go swimming with manta rays. It's just, you you make that holiday how active or how lazy you want it to be. And that's what I love about it. Um, but I have not had a bad experience in the Maldives. I have stayed at some amazing hotels. I have stayed at some average hotels. And there's something special about every single one of them. Wow. So, interesting. yeah, okay. even if you get a chance to go to a guest house, I'd take it up. All right. Sounds good. I'll take your advice. And your third option? Your third uh, most favorite um, location? My third location would be India, actually. Okay. So um, I had the opportunity to go a few years ago. We did like, I think it's called the Golden Triangle. So we did like Jaipur and Udaipur and we did Delhi. And this trip was actually more for my husband than me because he is a real foodie. I mean, so am I. I'm a food photographer at the end of the yeah, day. Right. But he's like on another level foodie. Um, and when the opportunity came up, it was actually a work trip I had my reservations about going to India, but I was like, you know what, just for his sake, I'm going to go. Uh, and it was amazing. We loved it. The food, the culture, the people, the history, the architecture, everything. 
And the great thing about Asian holidays is that they're so affordable. You know, you can have premier service, but you're paying a fraction of the cost. Amazing. Um, And it was just, it was just amazing to visit places like Taj Mahal and, you know, um, going to Agra and going to all these forts. Um, If you're into history, I highly recommend it. And it's also a place where you can take beautiful photographs. <laughs> as I've noticed on your Instagram as well, which, which Michelle will, will, will get into. Uh, Ali Hasnain, quick fire round. Uh, top three locations. Ali, go first. All right. So obviously Colombia. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, especially being where I am, it's, it's like it's the city of eternal spring. So it's 75 degrees, uh, maybe 80 degrees on the high end and then in the evening maybe 60 65 and it just sort of stays in that range there are beautiful waterfalls people are amazing really nice area just showing uh, off enjoy it no I'm, I'm trying to go quick i haven't even started <laughs> <laughs> um then i would say uh puerto rico when i went to bio bay i don't know if you guys are familiar with that um, I been, no. uh, so puerto rico was on my list for a while but i never ended up going there's I'm kind of like a trend here, Nuri. Maldives was on the list, but it didn't end up going. Puerto Rico was on the list. They I'll get into what is this? I'll get into my whys in a bit. <laughs> so it, it's called Bio Bay. Uh, it's biofluorescent, uh, some sort of um, insects or something that are actually in the water. So when you touch the water, they light up. Uh, or even if you don't touch the water, you can see them light up. So that stains with it out. <laughs> No, I doesn't like it. <laughs> I'm go. I'm go for it. What's your third place? Uh, third place, I guess I would say Pakistan, maybe because okay. uh, you actually get the roots connection and... home. Okay, I get now. Yeah, <laughs> just, just a good. Yeah, I know he was. I knew he was to say Pakistan. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> I was it's been a while. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I'll we'll say those three. Before Hasnain, I'll give my top three. This is actually quite hard. Number one, California. California is my favorite place in the world, without a doubt. I'm actually, at the time of recording, I'm going in, in about two weeks. Uh, and just, I think maybe because I grew up in the UK, uh, Sakin, I don't know if you've ever been, but you know, it's very, it's a very interesting place, the UK. It's, it's very, it's, it's not, it's, it's very flat and, you know, very gray. I lived uh, there for seven years. There you go. So, so, so you know it. Um, now, California is the complete opposite of that because you've got ocean on one side, mountains on the other, beautiful weather, um, people are nice. Um, it's just absolutely my, my favorite place. I always look forward to going back um, and I can't wait to go back again. Uh, California's number one. Number two, actually, it surprised me a lot and that was uh, Scotland. Uh, we took a trip to Scotland last year um, and we drove up to Edinburgh uh, and we stayed basically at this place called uh, Queensferry, which is like 40 minutes north of Edinburgh. And it was probably the most, one of the most enjoyable trips I've ever had in my life. That's coming from someone who's been pretty much, you know, all over the world. Um, I I really really enjoyed it. People were amazing. Um, uh, the scenery was amazing. The architecture was amazing. Everything about it was was beautiful. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. And third and finally, I would have to probably say, uh, Zanzibar would have been a close third, uh, but I'm gonna switch and go to Saint Thomas in the Caribbean, uh, where we traveled just because of how blue the the ocean was, uh, and it was uh, absolutely uh, one of my best trips. And I've got to do Maldives, Hawaii's on my my list as well. Um, and, you know, a bunch of others, but hopefully one day. Uh, Hasnain, go ahead. Um, I am not a beach person. Uh, I don't like sunshine. <laughs> don't like so water. De- so depressing. So for me, <laughs> my number one spot was Spain. Jackson Heights. Um, Jackson Heights. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was Spain. I love Spain. Number two, 
would probably be Marrakesh, and number three would probably be Istanbul. Nice. So oh, you're, you're... you know, I'm thinking like now that I've had time to think about it, I might need to rework my list. It's I, I I think it's hard because even as you go through life, I think you you kind of I guess uh, maybe grow to prefer prefer different things or depending on your mood and how you're feeling, you want to go somewhere else. Istanbul, I went, I didn't. I I'm the opposite of Hassan. I love scenery. I love it. Give me an ocean and mountains and good weather, and I'll be happy. That's that's all I need. Um, so you, you know, can't even swim. I can swim. I can be very good swimmer. You really can't swim. <laughs> I've got to level five in in school, bro. I'm a very good swimmer. Um, yeah, but alhamdulillah, it's it, it's been good. Um, Sakina, I wanted to to to, to get onto um, uh, you know, uh, one of the kind of philosophies you have, uh, you know, based on kind of like some of the interviews I've read read with you, where you speak quite openly about you know why you decide to kind of like share. Uh, the fact that you travel around the world and, and and who you seek to inspire and that is to generally from what i understand you feel it's important to uh, make muslim women who wear hijab feel empowered enough and comfortable enough to travel the world um, which i think is a very interesting perspective uh, to have why i mean what kind of uh instilled you that that, that spark in you to, to have that kind of um passion to, to to want to inspire other muslims uh muslim women to travel the world so it's not like I sat one day and I thought, okay, I'm a hijabi. Let me start traveling to start inspiring other women. It, it was not all well that thought out as such. I just did it because, hey, I love to travel. And um, actually, I went away to Seattle on a food photography trip. So I was never into travel as such. And I went on this retreat. And it was on this small island called Lumi. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't heard of it, no. Beautiful. And I think Dory there. wanted to go there. Sorry? I'll, 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 I'll add it to my list. I think it was, it was on Dory's list. list. <laughs> the list is getting bigger. Um, so anyway, we went on this island. We stayed there two nights. We stayed there and, you know, we camped, we foraged. And it was just, um, it was a retreat to learn about food photography. But when I finished and I came back, I actually enjoyed the landscape and the landscape photography and the the unknown of going into a new area, which, you know, I hadn't traveled that much till then. And I was like, why have I not done this? So that's where my love of travel started. And I remember when I came back from that trip, so three or four years ago, four years, I think, or five even. And I said to my husband, right, that was August. And I said to him, right, next year, starting in January, I want to travel to one new place each month. Wow. And it almost became like a game to, to make sure I stuck to that resolution. And I did. So the following year, I traveled to a new place every single year, every single month. You know, I, I, went, to, I went to Iceland. I went to Greece. I went to uh, Thailand. I went to all of these amazing places that I would never have gone to otherwise. Um, but... It wasn't like I said, because, oh, I'm a hijabi. Let me show how, you know, I can do this. I can go out and do everything that a non-hijabi. It was the messages I got whilst I was traveling. And when I came back, that kind of spurred me on. So I would get messages from both Muslims and non-Muslims saying, oh, wow, you know, it's so amazing to see somebody who is covered to go out there and make these life choices that we don't otherwise see. Or other women would be like, um, you know, I got married really young and I have my children, but seeing you go out there and do this, being married with children, with a job, 
inspires me to go out there and do it. If it's possible for you, it's possible for me as well. So that's where this whole hijabi travel thing came about. It wasn't something I thought of. It was just the messages I was getting that kind of spurred me to follow that path as such. And I think, you know, for us I, in our community, I, I do feel that culture and religion can be mixed a little bit too much. And sometimes our families may lay down cultural boundaries for, for us, you know, uh, that prevent us from doing certain things, but they do it in the name of religion, if you get what I mean. Right, 100%. So, you know, I, I really wanted to break that and, and to show that, hey, if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 40s, heck, if you're even in your teens, you know, you can do this, you know, it is safe for you to go out there. You can, just because you wear a hijab, you can still jet ski, you can still swim with turtles, you can still go diving, you can still go swimming with manta rays, you can still go hiking, you know, don't let just what you put on on your body stop you from doing that. Um, and I've had an amazing response, you know, um, so I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, and I can't wait for the pandemic to be over so we can start again. Hey guys, thank you for listening to us. Please remember to subscribe to us on every platform, YouTube, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and whatever other one that we're on. We're on so many, but please subscribe to us. Really appreciate it. And hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Do you, do you, uh, um, so, sorry, Hasna, just right. before you jump in, I, just, I want to ask a question. Do you, because I, I guess it, it, it differs from, from person to person, um, but the fact that you were traveling, you, you said something very interesting that you, it, it didn't start off like that, right? So to you, you were in your in your mind. You weren't just like a, you weren't a hijabi uh, breaking stereotypes, uh, quoting uh, uh, air quotations to travel the world. You were just doing what you love, right? So when you were like, I guess when you were perceived, for better or for worse, as a Muslim uh, woman wearing hijab who was breaking stereotypes and I guess trailblazing and all those kind of terms, did that kind of does that in the beginning did it kind of I, I don't use the word upset, but did it kind of like bother you at all? Because sometimes I feel like. Uh, you know, some people can feel like they're almost reduced to a stereotype uh, in that sense because they, because by merit of wearing a hijab, you are almost you become that hijabi travel uh, uh, traveler, not not just a, a, a traveler in itself. I mean, does that do you, does that ever bother you or? Not really. You know, my identity is not just a travel blogger or just a hijabi or just a hijabi travel blogger. Um, I've always been the type of person that I've been doing multiple things in my life. So my day job has been a food photographer. Um, I've started online courses. I actually trained as an optometrist before I moved into photography. Oh, wow. So I used to work as an optometrist before. So I guess these labels have never really bogged me down. I've just done so much um, and I try and keep myself so busy that somebody wants to call me an influencer, a travel blogger, a hijabi, it really just, it doesn't make any difference to me. For me, what matters is what I'm doing. I'm enjoying my life. Nice. I feel like I'm going out and exploring and I'm not going to let other people's labels or opinions get me down. No, it doesn't. It's not something I've ever even thought about, frankly. Interesting. Interesting. Hasnain. Uh Yeah, I was going to mention um, in one of your articles, you mentioned um, the hijab being more of an attitude rather than a piece of cloth. Um, 
And I also read a really cool statistic. Obviously, today it probably changed, but you, you traveled to 27 different countries, if that's correct. Probably more at this point. Um, Not that many more. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically something that 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 I thought of was, you know, you, you, you want to break that that stereotype of like you shouldn't travel, but you should, you know, get out there, do your thing. Was there ever a, a place where you felt uncomfortable? Uh, was that did that ever come across in a specific? I mean, you don't have to mention it if you don't want to give the country a bad rep. But you know, if you ever felt uncomfortable traveling in this situation, because uh, you know, I follow a lot of travelers that are are females as well, and and you know, they kind of have some horror stories of specific countries. Um, I don't know if you had any of that experience, and if you did, how did you manage that? You know, I've been asked this question a lot because I think people expect that if you're a hijabi to have negative travel experiences. I haven't. In those 30 countries that I've traveled to, there's I've never felt uncomfortable. I've never been stared at. I've never been called out. Um, I have never, ever had a negative travel experience, you know, and I've been to quite a few countries like Iceland. I was in Austria last year, which doesn't really have a large Muslim population. In fact, when I, I remember, well, in Iceland, I didn't even see a person of color, let alone a hijabi. Um, and the same in Austria, you know, we, I went there with my sister, it was a work trip. And I think we saw one Indian person in our three nights there. But I never felt like people thought less of me or people were staring at me or looking at me in, in any different way or were thinking I was suspicious. So I actually have not had any bad experiences. And perhaps that's why I've been so um, inspired to travel. I guess when somebody does have a bad experience, it might, you know, let them down or they might, they might not feel like continuing. But for me, I've actually, I've been really lucky, I guess. I mean, I just, I had just have not had a bad experience at all. And I travel to quite a few places without any male counterparts. Generally, it's just me as a solo traveler or me traveling with friends or my sister or my children. Um, but yeah, no, never. I can't recall of even one experience where I had a bad experience. <laughs> well, let's just hope that you continue having good experiences. Inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, Ali, I, mean, I just wanted to add. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I've been to 14 different countries and I haven't felt anything either, even though I don't wear a hijab. But one place that I did feel something was in the middle of the U.S. Uh, in Kansas, as a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, of all places. What was this story? So, you haven't told the story before. I think oh, you have told, I haven't told you that story. Is it was that, was that a gas station or something? Or I think you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gas station story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just re repeat yeah. it for Sakina if you can. Oh man, so. Long time ago, back when I was in college, <laughs> Nori would say 50 years ago. But um, <laughs> when I was in college, me, um, one of my Iranian friends, one of my black friends, and one of my Indonesian friends, we took a road trip. And on the way back from Kansas, we're in Kansas at that time. Um, we're just picking up some snacks at the, at the gas station. And while we're picking up snacks, I hear the phone ring and the guy says, yeah, they're okay right now. I'm like, what? And then I just kind of turned and went towards where he was just to see. And there was actually a police car that pulled up that was sitting outside waiting. And I was like, we're just getting snacks before we hit the road and getting some gas. Like, what's going on here? 
but we didn't say anything. We didn't want to make a scene, so we just got our things and left. But yeah, that was. You know, it's it, probably because you're a superstar. They probably just wanted to make sure you're safe. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I do wonder if it's your um, if it's your level of confidence as well that stops you from having these experiences because. These kind of thoughts don't even cross my mind, frankly. Yeah. You know, um, you know I, I was actually in, I went to France and to Paris. When, this was when I was living in Dubai. So not when I was in the UK, but we went for the Euro final. So hate football, nothing to do with it as my husband. I trudged along because, you know, you've got an extra ticket. You don't turn it down, right? So anyway, we went there and this was just before the bombings that happened in France. And as it is, France was quite volatile with their Muslim stance, uh, hijab stance. And, you know, I had friends telling me, Are you going, you're going to France. It's such a volatile time. So this is even before the bombings happened. You're going to be stared down and, you know, it's not safe. And frankly, I felt super safe. Nobody was looking at me. Nobody was staring at me. Nobody was saying anything to me. So I do feel it's your mindset and the level of confidence that you go in. If you are going to go in and you're going to think, right, this guy's staring at me, this woman's looking me down. She suspects me. You're going to get those experiences. But if you're going in and the, the only thing on your mind is getting on the top of the to Eiffel Tower, you don't even see all of these experiences around you. You know, your focus is on something else completely. And I do believe that you experience what you manifest. You know, if I'm going to go in and thinking I'm going to get the deli belly when I go to India, you're going to get it, you know. But if you go in and you're super confident and you do your thing, I think that that's something that's really helped me perhaps as well. It, um, it, it, it's funny. Sorry, it's funny you mentioned that because when you were speaking earlier and you, and you were talking about how, you, how you've never had a negative experience, that is the first thing that came to my mind is that you, you're very positive. Just generally your, your aura and your energy from what, I can, from what I can tell so far, you're, you're a very positive person. And I feel like you're right. You, you do manifest that. You know, it, it, I'm a full believer in that as well. You know, the more positive energy you push into the world, the more positive you think about your outcomes and the way things, things happen. Just generally in life, where you want to go, the more you think about it and work towards it. I'm, I'm a big believer in manifestation. Um, so I do feel like you kind of invite that energy uh, toward you. So I'm so glad uh, you brought that up. Um, Ali, just to, 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 to the backdrop of your point, um, uh, backtrack of your point i went to tennessee recently uh, for for a day or two uh, I, was, I was in nashville um oh. and it's funny because one thing i realized i realized about these places in america the racism is very subtle it's, it's not like someone calls out or pulls a gun on you or whatever it's just like it's like the way people speak to you so i remember I, I went to the car rental place and the first thing the guy said he looks at me he goes oh you're a long way from home aren't you uh, and he, he said that and i was like you know you don't think about it you don't you don't think it's that big a deal but then you need go home 24 hours later, like, wow, that, that was actually a pretty racist thing to say. Uh, and he drops some things like, oh, yeah, you know, our economy has been very bad since this new president. Our old president was much better. He's just like throwing in these, these random things. Um, so that's one thing I realized about racism. Sometimes it can, it can be very subtle. You don't realize it until, until I guess, later on. Um, off the back of that point, one more, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling on, but um, just to kind of bring your points together, uh, Sakina, yours and, uh, and Ali's, I had a friend, I have a friend who cycled the world for charity. Um, so he basically left the UK, uh, went uh, across Europe, Western Europe, uh, Turkey, China, Pakistan, hoping my, my geography right, South America, and came back. Um, and I asked him, I was like, listen, what's the state of the world? <laughs> Give it to me. Tell me exactly what's going on. Uh, are we screwed or is everything okay? And he was like, bro, I'll be honest with you. The second I left Western Europe, everything was amazing. 
the second I left Western Europe, people were nice. People invite us into their homes. People offer you food. People offer you drink. The generosity itself is is is, is incredible. Um, so I guess that was kind of one take on on uh, on that, which which I thought was quite interesting. Um, so Kenny, I know you mentioned that this past year uh, you've traveled only once, uh, and this is coming from someone who has the desire and need to travel once a month. Uh, you know, so I, I'm similar in the fact that I have to travel once every two months. Otherwise, I just I just lose my mind. So how was that for you and like like mentally psychologically i mean was it difficult for you how did you kind of how did you cope i guess i didn't have a choice it's not like i had a choice so when your choices are stripped away from you you just got to go with the flow right um so i've just tried to keep myself busy i it's given me time to do things that i've been thinking about for a long time but never put into action um so no I actually haven't been thinking I've not been remorsing about not traveling I've just had enough on my plate to keep me busy um and I have a very OCD personality when I start doing something I like get into it like fully like 300% like I forget anything and everything around me as my husband says um, so I've been super busy. I got my course off the ground that I've been thinking about for years and it took me nine months to do that. And had I been traveling, I just wouldn't have had the time to give to that. So everything happens for a reason. And the reason the pandemic happened for me is that I could focus on my other interests, which I've been able to get off the ground. Um, so yeah, and I'm actually now thinking, I'm not, I'm not really sure if the lifestyle that I had set for myself of traveling so often is something I want. Do you know how they wow. say that, okay. you know, when you get what you want, you realize you might not have always wanted that, or that's not what's keeping you happy. And I love to travel, like, don't get me wrong, but to have these, um, these aspirations or these goals of traveling once a month, sometimes, you can become a little bit too competitive within yourself and right. do it for the wrong reasons because, okay, I set that goal. Now I must get it done come rain or shine, you know? Um, so it's helped me to slow down and focus on other areas of my life that I'm very glad that I did. 100%. 100%. I think COVID did all of that for us. Ali, did you have something to say? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> just, sorry, I was blindsided you. <laughs> I saw you mute, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually wanted to talk a little bit about her uh, photography as far as with the food, right? Right. So I think I'm pretty good at taking pictures of my food before I eat. <laughs> Wait, please don't, you? please don't complain. Please <laughs> <laughs> don't you can't. You don't. You, you don't bring a filmmaker and be like, you know, what? I I can take videos too. You can't. You can't do that, bro. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Go on, carry on. <laughs> no, but but, but uh, what I was going to say seriously was like, like I started off and I and I thought to myself like, okay, maybe I could do this, but I can't, like, I don't want to sit there and do all the editing on so So I wanted to ask you like, how long does it actually take you to like edit a picture once you take it? Like maybe you take like 10 or 15 or 20, I don't know. So tell me what the process is like, if you would. 
So my main clientele are either editorial magazines. So I don't know if you've heard of Weight Rose, for instance, or like the Jamie Oliver magazine that used to be there. Um, so these are editorial magazines and then the restaurants, restaurant photography. So um, menu photography or if they want like content for their social media. So if it's those kind of images per image, it would probably take me less than five minutes. And, um, you know, there are ways to make your workflow easier. I'm sure there is in, um, you know, videography as well, but there's something called batch editing, where if the lighting is the same, you can actually just batch edit and like paste and edit onto all of the images. So if that's the case, and I use flash photography a lot for my food now, then I can edit super quickly, two, two minutes per image, if that. If I'm actually working for commercial clients like Pizza Hut or Subway, it could take a whole day mm. um, because these images are, they're, they're practically not real. I remember my first commercial job, I cried because it was so difficult. It was so hard. The pressure of it, I felt like I was, I don't know, working for some government organization wow. on spy theories or what. It was just super difficult. It, it was one of the worst days. Anyway. <laughs> You go to this Pizza Hut shoot and it's just one shot. Like they want one final deliverable. So in my head, I'm thinking super easy. These pizzas start coming out and I take a photo and um, the, our marketing manager goes, okay, well, the crust on this is perfect. Pepperoni looks crap. So they bring another pizza out. Pepperoni is top notch, but the cheese is just not stretchy enough, yeah. right? The third, and you go on and on. And then at the end of the day, they go to me, right, now I want you to comp all of these images together. So I want you to take the crust off the first one. And I want the cheese on slice three off image 41. And then the pepperoni looks good from the pizza number 27, uh, but not that last pepperoni, you know, that looked best in, you know, the pizza that came out at 30. And then you're basically compositing or creating one pizza shot from about 50 pizzas. So you spend days editing wow. that. Um, and eventually I've learned now to just, you know, um, outsource that because that's not my area of speciality. And it just gives me so much anxiety to have to do that. Um, so it just really depends on the client and the job that you're going in for. That's not really just outsource. If you're making 50 pizzas, who gets to eat them afterwards? Nobody, because they're not worthy of eating. <laughs> Gosh, Pizza Hut is never going to hire me after this, are they? No. Let's um, hope they're not listening to the podcast. <laughs> Hasnain, sorry, but before you jump in, I actually had a, a, a quick one. Um, you know, what you spoke about... Man, they're say, never quick. <laughs> sorry. I have a lot of thoughts. They're not. His quick ones are like four-minute questions, like four minutes long <laughs> to get to like... <laughs> Um, bro it's not poetry it's just a question <laughs> oh my god <laughs> when you were when you were thank you Ali uh, when you were talking about y your process um, it, it's very interesting because with videography and editing it's, it's the same kind of thing it's like you know there are ways to like you know make your workflow faster there are ways to, to uh, you know to, to make your work more efficient um, but with this specific craft I think one thing I want to kind of understand is I guess where your passion uh, and your love for the craft uh, and where that kind of lies and how that vibes with the the fact that it's also you're working for commercial clients, right? So, you know, for example, that Pizza Hut shoe, it's hard, it's tough, you know, you, you're, you're working to a client's satisfaction. But at the same time, you're doing what you love, 
right? Uh, especially even with the you mentioned weight rolls in the Jamie Oliver magazine as well. Like when you when you've got a shoe and 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 you're doing uh, uh, you know I guess food photography, uh, how do you kind of leverage the, the 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 fact that you love what you do versus it's also a job and you're trying to please a client? So I want to preface this by saying that when a job comes up, and this might not be the most popular answer out there, but when a job does come up to me, you either do it for love or you do it for money. Wow. Okay. And at the end of the day, you've got bills to pay. I've got bills to pay. So I do not enjoy commercial jobs because they're not as creative. Every single thing has its place in commercial photography. And you as a photographer, and you're in a room with up to 20 people with 20 different or 40 different opinions from these 20 people, you know, and your individual opinion does not count. You know, it's generally, in fact, it's, it's generally just one agency or, you know, not even one person making this opinion with or decision with commercial photography. So these kind of jobs are the ones that pay your bills and, you know, they give you experience and you learn things on these jobs, but you don't necessarily do it for the love. Hmm. Um, And then there's those editorial jobs or the travel jobs or perhaps even um, cookbook jobs. That's what you do for love. And you might get paid half the amount on these jobs but it's creative, it's inspiring, um, and you actually enjoy what you're doing and you're excited about them. So whilst this whole food photography started off as a hobby for me and then it transpired into becoming my full-time gig, I freelance, but you know, as full-time as a food photographer, there, there are times when I'll take a job and I know I'm not gonna enjoy it, but gotta pay the bills, right? Right. And if you're good at it, why not? So I always say that whenever a job comes up, it's not like I'm just going to pick the jobs that I love doing. There are jobs mm. where I grow on the job or I'm, where I'm going to learn on the job, but I might not necessarily enjoy doing it. Hasnain, go ahead. Yeah, so I was um, going to comment on the freelancing stuff because we make fun of Nuri for being a freelancer. He wants to make sure that every, every podcast is known that he's a freelancer. So um, so let, but, uh, let, me, let me just give the caveat as, as I do with every guest that we bring on. Uh, Sakena, so basically <laughs> the last 10 episodes or so, I, I, I transitioned to, to, to full-time freelancing this year. Uh, I used to work for the Muslim Vibe full-time. Uh, now I'm a full-time freelancer. And every uh, episode, we always have this like uh, argument between me and Hasnain because he's employed. Me and Ali run our own businesses uh, and Hasnain's a, a nine-to-fiver. So there's always that back and forth. Um, so that's the context. Go ahead, go ahead, Ali. Go ahead. Uh, um, Ali, you have a question? Because I'm, I'm going to... I was going to go. So anyways, I'm going to go. Um, so, you know, something you mentioned uh, previously was, you know, when you went to India and I, and I read that whole um, article. It was actually really, really amazing. Um, India's on my list uh, to go. Um, but when I when I uh, came across you, um, you know, it, it was very interesting to see Traveler and then, you know, um, your food photography, because we've actually had a chef on and we actually had a food reporter on and for someone like yourself who's traveled to so many places and i'm and i'm sure you've tried so many different foods um did you ever find yourself discovering culture through the food and and to go even deeper than that uh discovering history through the food you you tried to these places you traveled to 
I think India is a great example of that because the diversity of food, the culture diverse, the cultural diversity, the religious diversity, just even you'll go down one street and the diversity you'll get within just the people on this one street is is it's going to blow your mind, you know. Um, so yes, I I would say that in some places, especially Turkey is another one where, you know, the, oh yeah, Turkey definitely, because I went on a press trip with the Turkish tourism and it was, it was amazing to see how food brings cultures together um, and how passionate people are about their culture through food. Um, so that's been like an area that's been really nice to explore. And, and my husband, I'm not really much into history. Like I'm, I'm not really, I'm into photography. I'm into food. I like my food, but he's very much into history. So when we went to in India, it was, and he's a foodie. It was amazing for him to like walk down Changi Chalk. We had, um, we had a guide and, you know, they were just, uh, explaining to us how, you know, different vendors have been there for years and literally their craft has been passed down from father to father to father to son, you know. Um, it, it's amazing to see, it is. Um, but yeah, India was a great one where, you know, where you can explore history, culture and food so well and it tastes so good. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm this totally now. off topic. This is totally off topic, but I, I'm trying to read what it says behind you. What is that artificial lightning? <laughs> it's not lightning. It's lighting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she's, try, she's trying to give you tips, bro. That's what she's trying to do. <laughs> That's oh, just it, photography, right? <laughs> actually, I probably need to rub that out because I do a lot of Instagram stories here. And obviously, I'm doing them on my phone. And so the text is all flipped over, right? Right. And I have a feeling people aren't focusing on me and what I'm saying, but they're probably trying to read what's uh, written at the back here. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, this is just the, the, the online food photography course. Um, it's six modules. And for the next launch, um, we are adding one more module. So well, adding artificial lighting module. to it. Since we're here, since we're here, uh, tell us about, uh, this is for food, right? Uh, P-H-O-O-D, right? So tell us about founding food uh, if you can. Uh, thanks, Ali, for the segue, uh, and also uh, what you wanted to what you wanted to achieve with it, and you know, just generally the, the, what it's grown into, essentially, because it seems like Marshall has been uh, very successful. Um, so, food started last year. Um, I think with as with a lot of people, when COVID hit, their businesses, their incomes were hit. So, with me being a food photographer, it didn't help that all the restaurants had shut down, and even once these restaurants opened up it's been tough. The amount of work has reduced because these restaurants are not as busy as they used to be. People perhaps are not eating out as much as they were. People have lost their jobs. So they don't have that extra income to be going out. So this hits restaurants. And then eventually that hits me as a food photographer because they don't have the money to market, etc. So I was thinking to myself at that time, um, what can I do? Like everyone's pivoting. The pivot was the word, you know, it was the name of the game at that time, wasn't it? So I was thinking, well, what can I do? How can I pivot as a food photographer? It's not like I can like, I don't know, photograph a restaurant from home, right? Well, I could, but it's not very feasible. So I was like, how can I take my business online? And um, I have given workshops in the past um, 
for you know clients like Canon, and I work with them to kind of educate their um, buyers or their staff on food photography. So I was like, well, I've done workshops before. Why don't I just do it online? And that's how food came about. Um, I wanted to take these in-person workshops where I teach food photography, say over a couple of hours or over a weekend and put that into a course. Um, and the beauty of having it online is that I'm not just reaching a certain location or a certain country. I've now opened up myself to the world, mm. as it were. You know, anyone who's interested in food photography can now take a course online. And I personally, the reason why I was so interested in doing this was because I personally have taken a lot of courses online, some related to food, some completely off topic, and I have loved it. I mean, I, I remember saying to my husband, when I finished university, I was like, I am never going back. I'm never going to the full education space. Like it was grueling going to university and getting a degree, especially now that I think about it, I don't even use it, but let's not go there. I was like, why did I put myself through that? And I am going to put my children through that, by the way. So they know they have to go to university regardless. Right. But it was, it was tough. It was grueling. I hated exams. And I, I remember saying, I'm never going to go study again, but these online courses, they're shorter, they're punchier. They don't take as much time. They don't have an exam attached to the end of them. And you do them in something that you love, you know? Um, so that's how food came about. And yeah, it took me nearly a year to get my shiz together um but i got there uh, i launched it in february we got 30 students on our first round and we are in week five of the course as such and the next launch will be may inshallah nice inshallah you know you got me thinking about university because whenever i look back i'm like how did i finish i, I don't know like I don't I'm, know. I'm looking at myself I'm like i cheated all three and a half years i just wait can you can you admit that publicly uh doesn't affect you. I mean, I got my degree already. I'm good. <laughs> I got my degree, but no, I look back at my university. I'm just like, that's not how you make it, man. You know, it, it, <laughs> I did not attend class or anything. You know, I don't it, know. You know it's funny. I, I never went to university. Just putting it out there, I, I didn't go. I went for one year. I'm like, this is not for me because I'm more like a learn hands on kind of guy. But I was listening to this. Uh, or freelancer. Yeah, there you go. I was I, I was listening to this. Uh, to, 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 I guess it was I think it was a podcast. One some some guy that I, I I follow. Um, and he said something very interesting. I'm not saying this this is the be all or end all, but he said you know if you take that same money that you put into university like nine grand a year whatever it is and you invest it in a business over three years you can have uh, uh you can you can be, you can build a business that will sustain you if you do it like smart in, in, in a smart way you can build a business that will sustain you for life nine <laughs> grand guess, a year guess you buy your place. I, I don't know how much uh university is for you guys but my, my <laughs> you need what my yeah. university was thirty five thousand a year. Okay, in the UK, it's, I'm sorry, in the UK, it's nine grand a year. Um, you guys, <laughs> you ripped off left, right, center. What can I say? Um, nine pounds. Okay, basically, you take that same money if you invest it in a business and you, or you invest it in an idea, it, it can become sustainable for the rest of your life. So, I think the question is, and it, it, the answer might be yes for many people. Is it worth the investment? And personally, I think, especially if you if you're going to go into becoming a doctor or a lawyer or anything that needs a degree to get there, it's definitely worth the investment. But I think, you know, not that I'm giving advice. I haven't been to uni. I don't want to upset Sakina as well because she wants her kids to go to uni as well. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going to uh, you know give my full opinion on that. But um, I think one thing that was interesting what, what you said, Sakina, was about COVID and the fact that it forced you to kind of reboot and not forced you to reboot, but, you know, it gave you space to think and, and, and I guess, re, uh, 
give you ideas to build more things, which I think is the same for all of us. We've spoken this, about this a lot on the podcast. Even this podcast itself was as a result of uh, being bored at home slash having <laughs> a lot of uh, ideas and, and things you want to achieve. But me personally, like I restructured my whole life just from that, just from those few months of having to sit with yourself and think and, and having that clear head, uh, which I think is is very important. Um, I wanted to get back into travel just for just for just for a quick. Uh, uh, just a quick view talk uh, because I had a, a question about how travel impacts the psyche of you. And I think this is a very interesting conversation to have uh, because I know you mentioned that you travel because you love it. And, you know, a lot of people that travel do as well. Me personally, like I find that I am I am a fully a product of all my travels that I've been on throughout my life. Whenever I travel, I grow uh, and, and, and in some way or another, um, you know, uh, I would definitely say that traveling for me is the biggest university uh course that you know uh, i i've uh, ever taken so for you i guess how does it how does it impact you psychologically how does it strengthen you uh, in that aspect i guess one of the biggest things that travel has done for me is that it kind of breaks biases down sometimes you know you have these biases growing up about certain religions certain cultures certain countries you know even you know and traveling has broken down a lot of those biases that I had. Um, and it's also made me realize that, I don't know, maybe I'm going too deep into this, but it's kind of given me a lot of, it's given me the freedom. You know, I, I, I grew up in Tanzania. My parents were very conservative. I got married when I was 18 by choice, by the way, my parents didn't want me to get married. I always joke, you guys sold me away as a child bride, but they always come back and say, well, you did want to get married. We didn't want you to. But it's just given me the freedom, I guess, that I didn't have when I was much younger. And I just didn't want to be one of those people that grew up with regrets, you know, and that grew up with, well, I could have done that. Now I can say I did do that. I've already done that. That's checked off of my list. So um, just in terms of, I guess, being a mother as well, it's given me a lot of confidence and it's given me a lot of um, aspirations for my own children, especially my daughter. It's changed the way I want to bring them up and how I want their teens to be and their early 20s to be. So a lot of things that my parents did with us, you know, the, the restrictions, I guess, we had, I don't want that for my own children. Do you know what I mean? And I think traveling has helped me with that a lot. Yeah, that's a really good uh, perspective because, um, you know, growing up in my household, travel was like a luxury. Like we couldn't afford to do it. So growing up, I never traveled until I started making my own money. And then I kind of just told my parents, like, I'm traveling. And for them, it was just like, no, what if somebody kidnaps you? Like, what, how are we going to find you? And I have a phone. Um but yeah, growing up, it was a luxury. So it's not, it wasn't something that we could have done. And then now I'm doing it and I'm enjoying it. And it's just like, I'm not really missing out because I wouldn't really appreciate it if I was a kid traveling to anywhere. Whereas now the people that I meet and the food that I eat and the cultures that I come across, they mean more to me now. So I guess it's just the fruits of your labor. I think... Uh... Also, I mean, Hussein, do you have sisters I am the youngest of five. I have two sisters and two brothers. I'm spoiled. Imagine if your sister said to your parents at that time, right, I've saved some money. I'm going traveling. Like, 
I get it. Yeah. You know, wh whether we like it or not, the, the society that we have been brought up in, a lot of us, doesn't allow women who are single to just go off and travel. And in fact, forget being single, even married. I was having this conversation with my sister-in-law and she was saying to me, you know, you are really lucky that you have married into a family that is so liberal and that actually does not care what you do. They don't lay down restrictions. And whilst that's a statement that almost angered me a little bit saying that, well, how dare somebody say that I'm lucky, I'm doing whatever I want. The fact is she is absolutely spot on, you know? Um, the society that we live in, like that, you know, that cross between religion and culture, you know, that, that faint line that people use religion, but it's actually not, and they mix it with culture to stop you from doing the things you love. It's, it really angers me. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't want that for my own children, you know? Right. I would definitely 100% uh, agree with you. I think that's that's yeah. my biggest uh, pet peeve. Um, and and this is something actually I've been thinking a lot recently while traveling, uh, thinking a lot about recently. It's just, you know, how, you know, a lot of the times, uh, and actually Sheikh Fiyaz spoke about this, uh, we spoke about this with Sheikh Fiyaz last episode, um, or I guess two episodes ago, um, and, 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 and we had this conversation about, um, I guess we as Muslims, and I don't want to, you know, make a general statement, but from what I've seen, um, I feel like, we like to be safe just because it gives us a sense of comfort um, and we confuse that sense of safety in the way we think, in the things we do uh, with, what's in, with what God has ordained upon us when he hasn't actually done that. I feel like as Muslims, we are uh, meant uh, for greatness, essentially. And I think that, that greatness comes about when you break those you know, uh, cultural boundaries that we've set upon our, our, ourselves, break, broken those shackles that we set upon ourselves. And one thing I, I've definitely tried to do in the past few years is I try to meet as many people as I can who I don't see, uh, who I have nothing in common with. You know, a lot of, a lot of the friends that I've made, um, uh, especially here in the States, many of them aren't even that religious. Many of them are, 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 are quite, uh, you know, liberal. But I love... Uh, liaising with people like that because it broadens my horizons it, it, it makes me think about things differently and I feel like as Muslims we should be able to put ourselves in any situation and be able to handle that situation because as Muslims we weren't meant for one location or to stay in the Middle East we, we were meant to, to, to you know travel the world and, 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 and appreciate uh, the world as it is um, so I would definitely say you know a benefit for myself when it comes to travel is that broadening of horizons because like you said we have these biases in our head that are essentially just fear of the unknown Right. However great or small they may be, um, the less you travel outside your circle. There's this quote by Will Smith that I always think about. He mentioned it once in one of his, his Instagram posts. And he said, the minute I left my home city of, of, of Philadelphia, or the, I guess the, the community he grew up in, he said, I realized that people outside of my community were not even thinking about the things that we were discussing inside my community. And that's something I think about a lot. The fact that, you know, as a community, you know, be it, uh, you know, within the whole, uh, the communities we live in or just generally the Muslim community around the world or, or I guess our demographic, um, we often get lost in these conversations that, that we're having, in these discussions that we're having. And I always think about the level of conversation and thinking that we're having. Um, and I always try to think about, okay, what is someone on the other side of the world talking about who is not in my uh, community? And how can I think, not on a higher level, but on a different level, because I don't want to be stuck in a bubble. I want to be able to, um, to 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 think as broadly as I can, and I think traveling definitely uh, is a big uh, part of that. Ali. 
think uh, what I was thinking about was uh, it's a verse in the Quran. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but something to the effect that God actually wants us to travel and get to know other people outside of what, what, what we already know. God created us in tribes so that we may get to know one another. Yeah, something to that effect. That's what I was thinking about. Um, but I, I lost my train of thought after that. <laughs> but you, you faced that too in Colombia, right? Because you're basically, um, you know, you're, you're almost out of your, your, your comfort zone. You know, you're uh, working yeah. with and, and, and hanging out with uh, non-Muslims. Pe- pe- I mean, you mentioned last time that many Colombians who you meet are surprised that you're Muslim because it, you don't fit that stereotype of the way Muslims look, right? Yeah, they, they expect it to be totally different. And they're surprised that when I told them that we believe in Jesus also. Uh, and then uh, along with that, you know, it's a, it's a language barrier as well, because I don't really speak Spanish. I'm still learning. So the whole language uh, issue comes into play when you're trying to say certain things that we're accustomed to saying in English, but they don't really translate over. So we have to simplify the language when we're speaking to different people. So that way, if, you know, we don't end up saying something wrong. We've had a lot of loss in translation issues. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny, like they, they get it and then and they'll laugh it off. But, you know, it's, it's better not to make it too complicated. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Um, so, I just winding down, uh, I did want to kind of get into, um, you know, uh, your social media, your Instagram. Um, obviously, you love traveling. You know, you love, uh, uh, you know, you, 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 we've spoken about that at, at length. And I think one thing that that's, um, you know, very, I guess, uh, central to, to your, dare I call it your brand or your social media presence is the fact that you kind of uh, post where you travel and, and, and talk about where you travel. Um, we kind of spoke about why you do that. What would you say the downsides of uh, social media uh, are? And I, I think you have actually posted about this as well, but I just want to kind of ask you in person. Um, because, you know, I, I feel like social media, um, I mean, I've got my own perspective on it, but I guess I'll, I'll ask you first. What do you think the downsides are of, of being like a travel vlogger who posts about their travels on social media? So not just specific to travel, but I think there are a lot of downsides to social media, you know, and being somebody who uses it and leverages it for my own brand or for my own business. It's amazing to think how many negatives and downsides there are to social media. I mean, for me, one of the biggest ones, and I don't know, I go in and out of phases with my social media. So right now I feel like I'm very active on it, but I will go away for months on end and not post anything. The biggest issue for me has been that now my children are growing up to an age where my daughter is 12, she wants a phone, she wants to be on social media, but I don't want her to be on there all the time. I don't, you know, like I always say to Mariam that, you know, you're at an age where your your brain is still growing and, you know, in order for it to grow, you need to be you need to be out and about. You need to be off of screens, off of a computer. You need to be doing active things. She's into athletics and, you know, she's into, um, she loves making videos, etc. Like she's a very creative person. And I tell her, I don't want you to be on a screen. I don't want you to be on a phone. She doesn't have a phone, but she, you know, she has an Instagram account and she'll want to check what's, what's happening with the people she's following. And I'll tell her, no, I don't want screen time. And then she'll turn around and say, but mom, you're on the screen, you know? you're on social media, you're on your phone. And so it's a very fine line and for her to understand that it's my work, but 
is it really my work when I'm just posting my family or, you know, we went out for lunch yesterday, a quick shot of what we ate, you know, this um, keeping up on social media is another disadvantage. So one, I, I don't want my children to be on there all the time because I feel like there's a time and a space for it and they're too young to be on it right now. But the fact that, you know, I'm on it, so they're constantly questioning why I'm on it. Um, another thing is, uh, another disadvantage is, is the license that gives to people to make assumptions about your life and, you know, and give unsolicited advice. And I'm, I'm a fairly confident person. I don't really let it get to me, but I can imagine it getting to a lot of people and then them changing their stance or their opinions or what they do or how they dress or what they eat based on what people tell them. Um, and I mean, I'll give you an example. I was, I was traveling, I was traveling somewhere and it was at the end of Zilhaj. And, you know, social media is not real. So I actually posted those stories uh, into Muharram, you know, those travel stories. And I get messages from people. And the worst thing is when you get messages from people in your own community, you know, questioning you. Um, and I'm getting messages like, oh, I, I didn't know there were um, Ashura Majlises in the Maldives. That's horrible. Come on. And, um, you know, I sent that to my dad and he goes and he goes to me, you know, just ignore them, you know, like don't even answer. But I, I'm the type of person I want to retort back. I want to give my answer. I almost wanted to justify myself, you know, Um and I, and I remember, like, I wrote this whole, like, big message, and I, and I passed it on to my dad, and I'm like, I'm answering this. And he goes to me, but why? You know, like, why do you care? Um, so just this unsolicited advice um, that you get, or these opinions that people make of you, or um, the assumptions they make about you based on what you post without actually realizing, well, I don't post about everything. You know, I don't post, like I'm the type of person, if I go onto somebody's social media account, I don't want to be bombarded by depressing news and like all the troubles that they're having. And like, there's so much depression going on. I don't want to be involved in other people's, you know, depressive thoughts too. So I have my own problems in life, but I'm not going to be splashing all of those over social media because people get on here to like, get a respite from their own issues, from their own problems, right? But that doesn't mean I don't have my own issues. Um, and that that's probably the bulk of it. And, the, you know, the keeping up, I feel like the keeping up with the Joneses idea, you know, the fact that you need to, you can get sucked into this world of they're doing it. So I need to do it too. Um, I need to keep up. Otherwise, uh, you know, like for instance, that one travel to one place a month, you know, that kind of idea. Well, that started off as just something I wanted to do, but it then led to like, I need to keep up, you know, like my, my content needs to, I need to keep producing that content. I need to keep putting up the pictures. Otherwise my, I'm going to lose followers. People are not going to be interested. Well, that's not why I started this, you know, and I had to sit down with myself and say, Sakina, that's not why you started this. You didn't start traveling to get the content. You started traveling to explore and to enjoy and to see what else is out there and just have a good time so you need to come back down to why you started 
and have a really strong reason for that. Otherwise, you can you can easily get lost in social media. And gosh, there are so many other disadvantages that I can tell you, but that's probably for a whole other podcast. <laughs> you know, I could go on and on about it, but it is what you make of it. Um, and you just need to know your limits. You need to know when to take a break from it. Um, but yeah, I, those I, are the main disadvantages, I'd say. I think I fully, as someone who utilizes social media a lot as well, I fully agree with you in that you know, it's definitely a double-edged sword. And I've kind of faced this challenge as well because, um, you know, many a time I've been asking myself, okay, why are you posting? Um, you know, so what I've done now more so is I've made my account, uh, in fact, what I did about, I think, two years ago. So I decided my account's going to be purely for poetry and nothing else. So I archived or deleted all the photos of myself or of my life or, or anything personal. I just made it, okay, you are now that kind of Naira Wahid uh, vibe where no one knows what she looks like. She just posts poetry and that's it. And, and, and no one knows, uh, you know, uh, what she looks like. But I think recently I, I've kind of realized as well that, and this is what's crazy about social media is that, you know, it, it, it's almost like a brand identity and people want to associate with you as well they want to see who you are so they can relate to you to you more and relate to your, your art more sometimes um so i think that's something i've kind of realized as well and then above that as well i've also realized that social media is a great tool to also uh network so i've started to kind of use it to to, to say hey by the way I, I do videography here's what i'm working on now um you know here's some projects that i'm, I'm excited to, to to share and work on um so it's definitely a platform um i, I definitely do agree it's a double-edged sword and like you said it's it's tough because you do get these comments from time to time which i would agree with your father that we should completely ignore because i think when, when someone uh comes forward and, and puts forward uh you know a comment like that which wasn't even from a place of hey i want to advise you or i want to you know assist you even the, the way the comment was worded was almost like in spite right and i get those comments all the time and i always uh, i learned this early early on when i kind of fall into these traps because you, you'll get a comment uh, sometimes uh, on my couplet saying what do you mean by this but the way it's phrased is like from a negative kind of view and the minute you answer it you're suddenly caught in a back and forth that you didn't even ask for um that's exactly and so, actually i didn't listen to my dad and i did send that message <laughs> what do they say parents are always right right and it started this back and forth which got it didn't get any of us anywhere yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and um so yeah i totally now i know listen yeah. to your dad yeah and you and you're also kind of like f f forced into a position where you're you're defending yourself where you don't need to defend yourself you know i think i think that's very important as well i know with me and my poetry yes. I, i've kind of come to the conclusion that look my poetry is art it's it's out there it's like a canvas you don't look at a painting and say okay why is the sky pink if the sky is really blue outside like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit there and and uh, and, and kind of like defend it you know what i mean ali go ahead Hassan, do you ever get that on your films <laughs> I, I do. I'll be honest with you. I do. I am. You do. I haven't seen anybody I'm a, I'm a, I'm a confrontational you. person. I will. I'm a confrontational Shocking. person. So, <laughs> so I do. I get messages like uh, about my film work, and um, I remember one message was, uh, you know, you shouldn't act. You're you're a Muslim, and I'm just like, uh, you shouldn't live. I, I said something like that, and I was really rude and mean, and I, you know, I hope that was harsh, bro. But, yeah, I know. So. I'm very confrontational and um, I know I shouldn't be. I don't need to. And I like I slowed down today because, you know, it's like you have your grave. I have mine. If you don't like my stuff, then just keep it moving. If you want to leave a comment, then that just shows your character. I'm not going to respond anymore. Um, but I do. I do get that. Not as, as much as you guys do, because, you know, you guys are out there. I'm more kind of reserved on my Instagram. <laughs> um, 
but I don't really get that much. But I, I do. I, I have faced that in the past. It, it, it's it's funny because just before I lead into the, the last question for Sakina, um, we discussed this. Uh, I think it was with um, uh, I want to say Hanan uh, about social media, uh, where I think you come to a, a realization where you realize that if someone, for example, is calling you out, for example, I don't know Sakina, they say, "Oh, you're, you know, you." Sh- uh, you don't look like you had fun on the holiday. Or Hassan, they say, you know, uh, you know, you, you didn't, you, you're not a good actor, but you know you're a good actor, right? So I, I think when you kind of realize that, or, or you know you had fun on the holidays, so I think when you kind of realize that what they're saying is not truth, you're no longer offended by it, and all that remains is the vice of the person. And I think when you, so for everyone, anyone who kind of like, uh, you know, uh, feels that social media comments kind of get to them, that's why I would recommend having that perspective that, you know, you know who you are, you know what your your you're like you know what your 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 passions are and 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 you're living your truth and as long as you're living your truth no one can take that truth away from you and i think it's just people that don't live their truth that are trying to take that uh, away from you um so Kena, i wanted to, to to wind down uh with a, a final question obviously this podcast is about art and spirituality and we tend to to ask our, all our guests uh, this uh, question um mashallah your passions are multifaceted uh, you know you 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 kind of uh uh, doing everything you love, which is, I think is is wonderful. Um, what role would you say your spirituality plays uh, in everything that you do? Uh, your traveling, your food photography, and everything else. So, I would say that as a Muslim, as a hijabi, you are sometimes put in a spot where you have to make choices, and I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm mixing spirituality with religion, but I, and I always say this to my, with my daughter as well, that when you're put in a place where you have to make decisions, when you're out there, when you're in the public eye, but even privately, I always want to say to myself, when you're confused about something, always ask yourself, if I do this, or if I say yes to this gig, or if I go down this route, would I be able to go in front of my parents, first of all, and still and still be proud and still be able to hold my head up high? And then I ask myself, would I be able to stand in front of my prophet and the Ahlul and still be proud? And would I still be able to stand in front of my God and still be proud? You know, and if I've ticked those three boxes, then I know that I can safely go out and do whatever I want on my social media and make all these life choices. So that's where spirituality is a part in what I post on my Instagram, what I, you know, what I do, the choices I make, where I go, what I do, who I go with, etc. You know, um, these are the three questions and not just about Instagram and not just about traveling, but just in life in general, you know. Um, and th- this actually came about from a very um, from a very minor. It was a video um, that me and my daughter had done in the garden, and we were going to post it. And I remember that you know she she wears the hijab, and like she must have like she was into cartwheels or something. And so she did it. She finally like we practiced, and she did it. And I remember like her, you know, like she her like hoodie just went up a little bit tiny little bit you know and she's like but mom I finally did this you know you have to post it you know 
And I said to her, well, ask yourself these three questions. You know, would you, would you be able to go in front of your parents? Would you be able to go in front of your God? Would you be able to go in front? And in front of her parents, she's like, yeah, I would go in front of my parents. I'm like, well, would you go in front of your God like that? And she said, no, I guess I wouldn't. And the, these are the three questions that I like to ask myself before I make any choice in life, you know? Um, so that's, I think, how spirituality or my religion or my values come into place when I am on social. You know, those questions that you had, like it actually reminds me of a quote from Imam Ali where he says that before I do something, I see God in it. While I'm doing it, I see God in it. And after I do it, I see God in it. Beautiful. Where's, and where's I'd also like to say that intent, your intention is a huge thing when it comes to this. So I remember I had this conversation with somebody and um, they're like, okay, well, I, I totally get that. But then Sukina, you know, you show yourself, um, I don't know, you, you went snorkeling and you wore a burkini or a hijabi swimsuit. Would you go in front of your God wearing that? And my, my answer to this was, well, actually, you know what? If I've been invited to a charity gala dinner, I'm not gonna go in my swimsuit, right? I'm gonna go covered. I might go in a nice ball gown covered with all, you know, with my hijab, but I wouldn't go in my swimsuit. And just in that same way, when I go swimming, I'm covered, right? But that doesn't mean I'm gonna go and stand in front of my God or go on my prayer mat with my, with my swimsuit. So it's all about your intention, I feel as well, when you're doing a certain thing. Um, and that for me is really important, especially when, when you're on social as well. What is your intention behind this, you know? Is your intention correct? Is it is it right? Is it, is it you know, is your intention a good intention? Um, so I always, that's something I always think about as well, just in general life decisions, but in social media as well. Profound. Sakina, thank you so much. I want to take this moment to appreciate you and all your fantastic and inspiring uh, work. If people want to get in contact with you or find you online, where can they find you? You can find me on my Instagram, so Sukena Rajabali, or you can find me on the food Instagram, which is learn.food. Sakina, thank you so much. I will see you again thank soon. You. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a fantastic episode with Sukena Rajabali. Sukena, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe on all platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor, and we're also on YouTube. Please do not forget to leave us a five-star review on our podcast. It really helps out the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and your family. Give us a tag on Instagram and inshallah we will share it for you. We'll be back inshallah next Sunday and every Sunday with a brand new guest. Thank you for joining us here over at 786 Boulevard.